Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm an idiot and didn't make sure my batteries were on in my recorder that normally is higher quality. And so you've got this crappy microphone. Hello, welcome to To Be A Terrier, Stephen Chicken, joined as ever by David Cornelius Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Very good. I mean, Cornelius is arguably better than my actual middle name, but long-term listeners to this pod might remember what my middle name is. I'm not telling them. Yeah, a small price. Not available to anyone who can tell us David Hartrick's real middle name. Uh, also, his date of birth, uh, the name of his first teacher. Um, and my PIN number. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fantastic. Right, Dave, it'll be a short one today, won't it? Because not a lot happened over the past week or so. Well, what have we got? We've got two games which we're going to skip over. One to look back on, and then we've got a new man to think about, haven't we? I mean, it's never dull, is it? working with Huddersfield Town, it's never dull. I don't think, I think everyone I've spoken to from the club, um, from the chefs through to Neil Warnock, has had some variant on, it's never dull. (laughs) The past week or so, it seems to be sort of the catchphrase at Huddersfield Town at the moment. And with good reason. So, yeah, we were going to, Dave, do a podcast on Wednesday, I think, after the news came out about Neil Warnock that the club have decided to dismiss him and find a successor but it became apparent last week that obviously they already had someone lined up and that they were going to try and get them in by the end of the week so we thought you know what let's um let's hold fire until we had the full story yeah Yeah, because it would have been half a podcast otherwise really because I think let's be fair and and Warnock himself has acknowledged this he always had Christmas in mind sort of thing that I think Although they were talking about this one-year contract and he'd signed that one-year deal and it was, though he was going to be here for the whole season, I think behind closed doors, privately it was acknowledged that, that some kind of mid-season departure was probably more likely than not. Um, and that this was, it was always sold, to be fair, as a transitional period to help the, the new regime get their feet under the table. Uh, and a combination of feeling that they've done that and feeling that they wanted to move for Darren Moore um, before sacking season began, has added up to them going, do you know what, we're all right, let's get rid of Warnick now and get our man in. Um, what do you think of the decision overall, Dave? I think you have to break it down into its constituent parts, really, in that do I do I think it was right to um, part company with Neil Warnock? Absolutely. You know, I'm not going to change my stance from what I thought. In the summer, I... I I completely understand, you know, if people go back and listen to that podcast, I said I completely understand why Huddersfield Town have had to ask the question and I completely understand if he said yes, why they had to say okay. But it it was, I just never felt like the right move for me. And I think the, the problem is they've got this new owner, they've got new 
you know, Jake Edwards has come in, Mark Cartwright's come in, there's been some other changes. But you can't really make a fresh start or sort of begin a revolution or get going with Neil Warnock in charge, who represents the 1990s and then last season in in the, the rearview mirror. So I completely think it's the right uh, thing to do. I think town starts the season hasn't been wonderful. I think the last two games are slightly masking that for some people. But, you know, in reality, they beat Rotherham with a sort of balls to the wall team selection of all out attack that you do when you know you're going. <laughs> if I, in my and, humble opinion. And let's be fair that you do when you know you're playing Rotherham, who I think yeah. is absolutely dreadful. And then they've got a 2 2 home draw with Stoke. And I think, you know, d- despite Warnock's view on the work Stoke squad, I have a, an opposite view. I don't think they're very good at all. And uh, I, I just, I just feel I completely understand why some fans are sort of worried and some fans still worship at the altar of Warnock. And I think that's absolutely fine and it's right and proper for some because of what he's done for this club. But I just think in terms of the bigger picture, in terms of the larger goals where they need to get to, I think the longer they stick with Warnock, the sort of more elongated the actual start of getting on the path towards those goals becomes. So, yeah, you know, I, I, I completely understand it. I, I think, I think it's been quite interesting. Some of the things Neil Warnock has said, you know, in terms of him going that I think contradicts one or two things we know. Um, I think it's interesting that this squad has now gone from being a bit short and they've not done enough transfer business to be in one capable of pushing for the playoffs, Neil. <laughs> That's an interesting little PR protection firing shot, leaving shot. But um, yeah, I think it was the right. I think if we just, in terms of the decision overall, if we just break it down into let's first look at saying goodbye to Warnock, for me, completely the right decision and you know i'm not my my stance has been the same from the summer but what's yours well yeah i think you you are very much you shouldn't have hired him in the first place and yes i think when i was asked about this if you go back and listen to the andy takes that chance that that i think you've referred to already the end of season review my stance was uh, along the lines of i think warnock's had his perfect goodbye and i didn't just mean and and so i also wasn't terribly in favor of bringing him back and that wasn't just um a sentimental thing it was also something you alluded to which is when if they then did decide to get rid of him <laughs> it's um it's it's going to be a hugely unpopular move and he's already had that sort of perfect finish last season where he'd made clear i only want to be here until the end of the season i think they would have from a pr point of view got away with it um if they'd said okay well he said he doesn't want to stay. Um, so let's get someone else in. And I think if if they'd hired Darren Moore in June, I think everyone goes, yep, fine, good appointment. He's just won promotion from League One. Unfortunately, he left Sheffield Wednesday two days after Neil Warnock had been hired by Huddersfield Town because um, it took Wednesday nearly a month to decide, actually, let's get rid of Darren Moore. I think partly it, was, it will have been the timing of it. You know, that takeover only went through in sort of, middle to the end of june only got efl approval middle of june only got sort of final approval um at the end of june and i think it was you know they pre-season begins end of june beginning of july they needed someone in warnock was the obvious choice and as we said at the time if he said yes they couldn't really say no to neil warnock as it stood at the time um but 
I don't think it's anything to do with results for all you've talked about, sort of the start to the season. I think probably they have about the points that they should have, but maybe not necessarily from the right games um, at this point. Um, and I think everyone's sort of fairly content with the season. I think um, it's nothing to do with that. And obviously there will be people wondering, is it to do with the, the spat or the criticisms he's had over transfers? Warnock himself said it was nothing to do with the, the transfers. And, you know, even he sort of, down, but I agree with you actually about the <laughs> there were a couple of comments at that final press where it's like ah, it's making things a little bit more difficult for your success yeah. there. Um, but um, I'm sure that I'm sure that that got some people thinking about you know it, when you've got a manager who's coming out in a press conference and saying you know criticizing the chairman the chairman having already criticized him we've we've talked about this previously uh, I'm sure it didn't go over brilliantly however. No. Huddersfield Town knew what they were getting when they hired Neil Warnock, so I'm sure it didn't come as a big surprise either. So I wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't count that as a massive factor. As I say, I think it's basically <laughs> Kevin Nagel had said last month that they were starting to look at who replaces Warnock eventually. Obviously, at the time, publicly they were saying at the end of the season, but privately they knew middle of the season. And from what I'm told. Um, and what they've said at the press conference, it was very much they've done this process, looked at who they wanted to get as one successor in an ideal world and gone, oh, it's Darren Moore and he's available. So why don't we just do it now? Mm. And I sort of wonder if if Town had won every game or lost every game this season, whether they might have actually weirdly that decision might have been harder to make. I think the fact that they've been sort of somewhere in the middle um possibly made it an easier decision because it's it's then easy to paint it and to make the decision that actually yeah we've got some fundamentals here um we've got something that the next man can build on so why not give the next man as much time as possible this season by bringing him in in september yeah exactly that and i think the base level of competence that warnock brings you can be achieved with people who don't bring you some of the downsides that that Warnock does, you know, I, I, I will just say it. I think the squad looks different if Neil Warnock hadn't been in charge over the summer. I think the transfer business would have been different for a start. I think they could have got a couple more loans done from the Premier League because I just think there are clubs that are unwilling to send their their players to a Warnock team. And I think, as I said, that base level of competence, which is what they were kind of wanting from appointing Warnock, that sort of get us into lower mid-table this season, that's absolutely fine. I think it can be achieved with other people. And like, I think a lot of people raised their eyebrows and wanted to create more drama than there actually is. I think yeah. the problem is it's a very common sense process that's taken place here. And I think a lot of people want to attach, you know, fallouts and arguments and, you know, all of this sort of thing. I think Warnock and Ronnie Jepson being Warnock and Ronnie Jepson, some of their comments in parting have kind of stoked that fire. And I would humbly suggest that they know what they're doing when they say that. And I, I just think that everybody kind of, you know, within the club, I'm not talking about the fan base. I wouldn't presume to tell fans how to feel at all, but I sort of kind of think everybody in the clubs is just kind of wants to move on now. You know, it, mm. There's sort of all these promises about things that are going to happen and things they want to do. And we know things that aren't out there that are, you know, exciting going forward and plans. And I just think it's very difficult to turn over a new leaf when you've got a manager in the dugout who's uh, 
who was 74 years old, who was managing them in the 1990s when a lot of generations of fans, dads and granddads were season yep. ticket holding in that ground and who did, you know, the impossible next se last season, but yeah. kind of, it really, it really was a one-off. You know, there were lots of things that went into that and Warnock did a fabulous job and we praised him to the hilt in doing it. But, I just think Warnock with a, a finishing goal in sight. So last season, you could see he only had a limited number of games and there was a finishing line and he had to try and get there. That's very different from Warnock just kind of looking forward across the whole season, hoping to sort of roll the dice a bit and let's see where we end up. They're two very different personalities. And yeah, I, I think the club have done the right thing. I think whatever happens this season, a lot of people are going to look at it and have their views either vindicated or uh, you know or enhanced but it's just it's just a common sense thing and we've said it time and time again on this podcast that unfortunately we're a bit more analytical than emotional so when we see common sense we sort of sit there going yeah that that works we can see the sense in that we understand why they've done that but we're also fully aware it's not fireworks and roller coasters it's not sexy is it it's not you know chocolate orange and a big baileys it's not exciting I I think there was there's always sort of a few phases to these things. And I think, obviously, last Friday when the rumour first came out, everyone was sort of in shock. I think everyone was quite unhappy. And that went into Saturday. Obviously, winning the game on Saturday um, <laughs> helps a bit. Um, and obviously, then Warnock says, we'll, we'll talk about it on Monday. There's a press conference. Everyone's then... I think it puts two and two together, apart from a few people on my Twitter who reply going, oh, why are you reporting as though he's going? As if like, it wasn't obvious. Um, how dare you? Um, but um, then I think that press conference took a bit of the sting out of it. I think it was quite apparent from the fact that he had been given those extra games in charge, that he they announced his dismissal with him sitting there as opposed to just bundling him out the back door, as happened mm. at, at Middlesbrough. He, he didn't want that to happen. He himself felt, I think, quite... Obviously, he was, uh, you know, not exactly cock-a-hoop that he'd, he'd gotten the boot earlier than he expected, but I think he was quite grateful that they had done it the right way, uh, as he saw it. They'd offered him to do longer if he wanted, but he picked Stoke as his final game. Um, that was his decision. And um, I... I I think that has probably taken the sting out of it. The fact that everyone could see they had at least done right by him. And it wasn't a, as I say, I think if they had sat Neil Warnock and not given him a chance to say goodbye and very unceremonious, I think conspiracy theories would be in full swing. I think it's uh, good that they've had the opportunity for him to come out and, and put that to bed, even though I'm sure some people will, will still not believe it. Yeah, I um, think I spoke to somebody within the club who uh, no advises the people in charge, and the one message they gave to them was, "You need to remember that new regimes are always judged by how you treat your legends." And I think, as a club, giving him that send off, giving him like two and a bit days worth of content on social media, putting up videos of all sorts of things. I think what they did at the end of the game with his walk round and you know and everything else. I think the club, whether you like the decision or not, if you were to judge them purely on how they dealt with it, I thought the send-off was really, really good. You know, really, really good. Um, but then I think the other side of what came out of Monday was it was sort of painted as 
we've got rid of Neil Warnock because we feel we've got an irresistible opportunity to move for you know for the next manager. And I think that is always going to set um, expectations artificially high. Um, yeah. I think, as I said earlier, I think if Darren Moore is appointed as Warnock's successor in June, I think everyone's pretty happy with it. Um, but I think having sort of set it up as, you know, great chance to move for our preferred candidate, and then it's it's Darren Moore. I think people were a bit, oh. mm. yeah. <laughs> you know, we didn't a great foot to be getting off on. But I think I think people are, are broadly, you know, let's be honest, there are a few other candidates, uh, not candidates, but a few other rumoured candidates uh, who would have gone down stupendously poorly. I was actually no. I was lobbying for Nathan Jones, and I'm I'm gutted. <laughs> He's not in the ex Brighton legend Nathan Jones. Um, and there's a few names, Wayne Rooney, for instance, who I think everyone got very excited about, and a few people convinced themselves was definitely, definitely going to happen just through wishful thinking. Um, I think realistically, a club in in town's position, you're going to get one of three types of manager. Really, you're either going to get um, sort of your complete unknown, someone who's stepping up from being an assistant, uh, and we know that that's a gamble. Sometimes you get David Wagner or Carlos Corbran. Sometimes you get Mark Fotheringham or Jan Sievert. Um, or you get someone who's from sort of the same sort of level, maybe a slightly higher level, maybe Premier League, but they've got flaws on their CV. There's a reason that they're coming down and, and ended up at Huddersfield Town. Um, or you're getting an up-and-comer who, you know, has has done a good job in in League One or League or perhaps even league two and and is ready to take the step up to the championship and darren moore is somewhere between those those last two categories really um probably more towards the succeeded in league one you know he had donny in the the playoffs when he left them um and then has had um two campaigns pushing for promotion the second was successful um at, at sheffield wednesday but then obviously has been unable to see that through by coming to the championship with them so Realistically, this was always sort of kind of profile as manager that that Tam were going to get. Um, my own personal opinion, I'm not 100% sold that he's amazing and you know the next big thing in management. But his track record is good. He's got notable achievements on his CV. He he got sacked. A lot of people think quite harshly by West Brom when he had them fourth in the table with ten games to go a few years ago. Um, now, <laughs> I think. That was a bit of a when town sat Lee Clark, the, the national media were like, What what the hell's gone on there? Why have they done that? And everyone at Huddersfield, all the town fans went, Yeah, that's correct. I think Darren Moore leaving West Brom was somewhere adjacent to that. The difference there though is that West Brom didn't subsequently get promoted having made that decision, whereas town did, uh, having brought Simon Grayson in. So I think there is even if you have doubts about Darren Moore and and you know some of the criticisms of him i think you can at least see the logic of he has been at some clubs that have been absolutely you know west brom at the time were an absolute state sheffield wednesday are <laughs> look at where they are now i mean that job looks better by the week doesn't it when you look at where yeah. wednesday have gone since parting ways with him um mm. and i think they're sort of betting on okay he's been at some let's be fair, slightly crackpot clubs in very difficult circumstances. If we are going to be a well-run club, what could we do with us? And that's the that's what we're going to find out, I suppose. Yeah, and you can't argue with the logic of any of that. I think the impression that a lot of people have of Darren Moore is he's somebody who you bring in to kind of steady a ship, do some, some basics right, 
get some fundamentals in. He won't complain an awful lot. And then I think the idea is that, you know, some people think he's somebody that you do that for 12 months and then you look to kind of upgrade. I think that's a bit unfair. I think he, um, I think if you look at his CV, there's, there's a lot to be kind of hopeful about. But I think if you look at his, there's no barriers to recruitment there. So that's quite a big thing. Um, there's no, I don't think he's going to bring in anything that's going to take that squad 15 games to get their head round, which I think is also important. Yeah. I think he's got a sort of a, a basic set of tools to work with that kind of fit what he wants to do to just kind of stumble through to January. And then I think in January, they probably will get him a couple of players, yeah. you know, it potentially on loan who let him just evolve a little bit. And I kind of, I, I kind of completely see the sense of it. Some of the names that were knocking round, as they always do, and they were never in contention. I think it's kind of that thing of, oh God, who do you replace Neil Warnock with? How do yeah. you replace Neil Warnock? And the thing is, you can replace Neil Warnock because lots of clubs in reality have done that. And I think it's not we would be the first to admit that Darren Moore is kind of not the name that you hear and you go, oh. And you start researching everything and you start looking forward to this, that and the other. And you start thinking about how he's going to evolve some of the attacking players or do things different. But I think what you do is you look at that and you go, oh, town will be absolutely fine. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I think that is a key. That's a key element to this. You you have to remember the the limit to the ambition this season, which really is to kind of get into lower mid table and stay there and not really flirt with relegation if possible. And maybe have a slight flirt with the playoffs at some point, but just get to the end of the season with town, still a championship club, and then really kind of kind of work on it from there. And I do feel like sitting here, town will kind of do that. And I do feel like they're going to lose plenty of games, but they're also going to win quite a few. I think they're going to draw more, you know, because I think Darren Moore as a manager is a little bit more conservative than some. So I think he will hold on to points a bit more, but, yeah, I just kind of think, okay, that makes complete sense. And I, I'm kind of pleased that the club the club did it so quickly because like everybody within the club was turned into Neil Armstrong, weren't they, for a few days, in that if you were talking to Neil Armstrong, it's just a matter of minutes until you ask him what the moon's like. And everyone there was just kind of talking to everyone and it's a matter of minutes before someone says, who's the new town manager then? So I kind of like that they've done it fairly quickly. They've done it cleanly. And they've got a manager who, as I said, he's he's not going to cause. We're, you're not going to be writing headlines at any point this season, Steve, with like, you know, more blast boner for this, that or the other or anything like that, because he's just not that that type of that, that type of manager. So, yeah, I, I think it's interesting on lots of levels, but I think it's also just kind of I look at it and I go, oh, okay, that's what town need right now. So that's fine. Yeah, I agree. I think it's... I was looking for sort of his style of play and, and looking at these things. He does... His team score a lot of goals. Um, I've, I've just looked up this stat and his teams have failed to score in about 18% of his games. Compare that with town who have failed to score in about 30% of their games since they came back down to the championship. Yeah. Um, I don't think he keeps a huge number of clean sheets either. No, he doesn't. He, he doesn't. He's, he's very much a win two one kind of manager. I think mm. one of the things Mark Cartwright talked about is that 
um, is the trajectory. It's something that they looked at. So it's not just pure numbers in, in terms of, you know, oh, he scores this number of goals per game, but it's the trajectory of he does, you know, his team score more and more goals as, as time goes on. They tend to pick up more and more points as time goes on, um, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same time, you don't go on to FB ref or who scored. Sometimes you can look at, without having seen a minute of play, just look at some some particular stats and go, okay, I have an idea of what kind of manager this is, what kind of style they play. You know, if they have a, a ridiculously high uh, pass completion rate or um, ridiculously high possession stat or ridiculously low possession stat or whatever it may be, you can get an idea. I, I struggle to do that a little bit with, with Darren Moore's teams, to be honest. Like, I, they are sort of somewhere in the middle with with lots of things he doesn't have he's not gone in everywhere and insisted right i want to play four two three one um he, he did i think that is generally his favorite formation um he played that a lot at west brom and, and doncaster but towards well not towards the end throughout most of his spell at sheffield wednesday he realized he didn't have the tools to do that he didn't have the big man which he doesn't at town either and he played three five two instead i actually think three five two probably is the formation that suits this side best mm. as well um mm. in truth so that might be a good fit as well but as you say this isn't like when carlos corbran first came in and it took him a season of trying stuff that he had as ideas in his mind that he'd developed himself and sort of picked up from bielsa and worked on with bielsa at leeds and went okay let's get <laughs> this very limited squad to, to try and play football now and then it you know if they had he had a few teething issues i don't think it's going to be i'm sure there will be teething issues there's things he's going to learn there's mistakes he'll make with any new manager but it's not going to be a massive wholesale change and a massive shift of philosophy and a you know took the whole approach in the bin we're getting rid of everything that we, we've done before it will be as you say evolution rather than revolution i would expect mm. and yeah i i just kind of think the more and more I look at it, the more and more I just think, fine. <laughs> and that they need a bit of that at the moment because there's a hell of a lot of things to sort out. And I think that having Warnock in the dugout was just kind of a uh, kind of a hand grenade, poten potential hand grenade they didn't need, you know. And I think Kevin Nagel tweeting what he did was really silly and we discussed it and people know my views on it. I thought it was a silly thing to do. But I think if your owner wants to continue doing what he wants to do, you need somebody in the dugout who is a very calm presence, who is a very, and that's what Darren Moore is. You know, he's a very calming presence around the club from the dugout, you know, to the training pitch. And yeah, Huddersfield Town could do with a bit of calm sometimes, couldn't they? Yeah, that was sort of the vibe. I decided before the press conference I was going to do an inside the press conference type piece, which I did for Ward. I could obviously that one was um, in February was uh, <laughs> rather, you know, fireworks and, you know, over an hour and all these stories and things like that. And Friday's press conference was almost the opposite of that. It was very measured. It was, it felt like sort of not, I don't know, I don't know how to phrase this without it sounded like damning more with faint praise or or through contrast because it isn't how i mean it but <clears throat> throughout neil warnock's time at town it was very much the neil warnock show um whereas yeah. this press conference felt like um a team of grown-ups working together to go in the same direction 
Um, and I, by saying that, I don't necessarily mean that Warnock wasn't a grown-up. Obviously, he is. But, uh, yeah, it, it was just a very different vibe um, at that press conference on Friday, which, again probably isn't very sexy isn't going to excite a lot of people i think it's it's a tough sell to go to people you know we're going to get rid of the beloved manager who has a 30-year association with this club and who has just saved them from from relegation the almost certainty of relegation and we're going to replace him with someone who you think is basically fine yeah um but i think also this new regime has have got off on the wrong foot with some people um i think not necessarily through any fault of their own either i think there's just again expectations were possibly set at the wrong level i think there are certain people who expected okay american billionaire owner is going to come in they're going to spend 30 million and we're going to be you know it's finishing fourth this season and pushing for the premier league i don't think that was ever going to happen i think it's much more of a a long-term plan um which is and, and again, I don't want to present this as though I think all having a long-term plan in and of itself is uh, is a guarantee of success because God knows, you know, Phil Hodgkinson had a had a five-year plan as well. Um, but I think their their approach was never let's go and get automatic success and you know and and try and take the the division by storm straight away. It was always let's get the academy back in place. Let's work on the stadium. Let's get a manager who we think over three years can get us to the Premier League. You know, let's recruit sensibly. Let's not sign players who, for the sake of signing players, because I think they've been pretty clear, there is a transfer budget from summer that could have been spent, and it wasn't spent because they didn't find the players who they thought it was worth spending that money on, uh, not because they were unwilling to spend it because it wasn't there or, or anything like that. It was simply... We can't find players who fit the bill. Um, and as we sort of touched on, I can't imagine that we know that Neil Warnock was involved in the recruitment this summer. Uh, I'm sure, obviously, Darren Moore will be consulted on recruitment and will be part of that process as well. Um, but I think, you know, Neil Warnock is not necessarily going to play nicely with a, a director of football at all times. He, he will have his own ideas. You know, he's an old school manager. And again, uh, that's... that's that's supposition on my part, but you know he's an old school manager who's used to doing all of his own business. Um, whereas Darren Moore is more of a modern style manager who I think will be happier to to leave that side of things to the the sporting director Mark Cartwright. Um, so you may well find that there is a bit more alignment in what kind of signings they need than maybe we had this summer and, and some of the issues of this summer may uh, may suddenly go go away as you've alluded to as well with with getting loanees in because we know that there are some Premier League clubs who just will not loan to a Neil Warnock side. Yeah, and I think you, there are reasons for that. There's a reason Town have become like a sort of hot house for Chelsea for a couple of seasons. It's because it was the right environment and that that went over the summer and they want to try and rebuild that again and get that back. But I I think when you said it was the Neil Warnock show, you know my feelings about it. And, you know, I'll go on record with this. That was my big issue with it, was that last season, Neil Warnock needed to become bigger than the club. For, them to, for him to yeah, do what yeah. he needed to do and get them to stay up, he needed to be bigger than the club. 
particularly because we were an absolute mess at that time. Yeah, they really were yeah. from the ownership down. But then this season, I just think the last thing they needed was a manager who was bigger than the club because they've got a new owner coming in who is very charismatic, has a social media personality, wants to be seen around town, mm -hmm. loves Marston's. Um, <laughs> he, if there's two things that bloke loves, it's Marston's and flip-flops. But um, it, it, it was kind of... You know, the way I was looking at it in the summer, and I spoke about it when we did the thing at Magic Rock with Andy Takes That Chance, and I spoke on it in our pod before the season was, I just didn't, it just didn't feel like a marriage that was going to work. And whereas you look at Darren Moore coming in and you just think, all right, well, all the pieces fit. And it, it it's not, finishing a jigsaw is kind of like, you know, it's not the best part really. It's like, it's the joy of the journey, but he kind of does know where all the pieces are. So... Yeah, I, I'm I'm kind of interested to see what happens next. And I kind of think that they need to get through to January because I still think the areas that we identified where that squad is short, they're still short. You know, nobody's like suddenly appeared. Jaheim Headley hasn't suddenly become the answer to a load of problems. Ben Jackson hasn't become the answer to a load of problems. So they've still got some issues there. And I don't think Darren Moore is going to go on some mad, you know, winning run of like, seven or eight games do you remember like the cowleys did after that initial bumpy start and then they suddenly mm. went on like what was it eight games or something they won in a row or something like that yeah. i just don't i don't think that's going to happen with with darren moore but i just i just think some sort of steady progress is kind of what they need now and it will be there's so much to do at that football club you just alluded to it you know setting up the academy again is not a case of walking to the wall and flicking a switch so that a neon light that says academy just comes on there's so much to do around that there's so much to do in terms of the stadium and what the ambitions are around that etc there is so much to do in in terms of infrastructure and various other things around the club yeah it it, it kind of it kind of needs just a bit of steady progress for a while and i think that's what they'll get but i think it's probably important that we both say that the fans that are really upset about it and there are some fans that are really upset about it still steve that's legitimate too yeah you know absolutely. that's that's if your favorite manager who's ever been at your football club leaves your football club that that hurts because that's what football is it's an emotive thing it's the most important of the least important things as we've talked about before so that's perfectly legitimate too and sorry if you think me and steve are being a, <laughs> a bit cold and clinical about it but unfortunately that's kind of what we're here for, Our position yeah. Avoid, uh, affords us. Yeah, it's um, yeah. I don't. I was to be mistaken of being like, oh well, one, it's gone now, so everything he did was bad, and everything he was going to do was bad. There were definite advantages to no one. You know, he's yeah. there's a reason oh, he's yeah. had the successes he's had, um, and you know, for all of the the potential um, frustrations you might have with Neil Warnock if you're running a football club. I think the greatest testament to Nick is that he is absolutely worth all of it in the end, you know, um, for, for, you know, the promotion and saving you from relegation, all of these things. There's a reason he keeps getting jobs. There's a reason he keeps, he stays relevant. We've had, you know, it, he was always going to be sort of irreplaceable in, in that way for sentimental reasons and in some of the things that he does. Um, and I don't think you and I are sitting here going, well, Darren Moore is definitely going to get better results than, than Neil Warnock is going to no, get. No, not at all. Not the only thing I would say on that is 
if in the coming weeks town do have some difficulties do just remember that the town took several games to get their first win this season and they did lose 4-0 at home to Norwich so it's not like no one left them as sitting third in the table and on course for promotion you know he had difficulties as well um despite despite his own words <laughs> he had difficulties as well just as much as Darren Moore is going to have difficulties and had good moments just as much as Darren Moore is going to have good moments I think the, obviously it's all going to come down to results now results and and performances um I have despite <laughs> I, I think if you'd asked me a few months ago would I look forward to months seven months of watching Neil Warnock football I would have said no actually I did enjoy it quite a lot because even that Stoke game on Wednesday um I thought it was a terrible game but it was entertainingly terrible <laughs> like yeah. it was like I was used to say when I covered sort of Championship League One and League Two for the League paper and did a bit of all of them that I always really liked League One because it was just half the time it was just absolute chaos and it's like the standard was just a, pitched at a perfect level where like there was just enough quality that you'd get goals but everyone was just crap enough that it would be a bit of a shambles and that was very much what <laughs> what the um, the Town Stoke game was like but that's. I do wonder how sustainable that is over the longer term and how much that is a factor because you can't go into every game going, well, let's just create chaos and hope we come out the other side of it. If you want to evolve as a club, you need to be, you need to have a bit more intentionality um, and a bit more building on things and, and continual progress rather than game by game coming up with which form of chaos is going to serve you best. Yeah, I mean, League Two is chaotic bad. League One is chaotic good. That's the <laughs> that's the standard rule. Yeah, and it, I, I go back to something I said before. I think whatever happens over the rest of the ser- series, uh, series, season, series, yeah, um, as we call it in Britain. Uh, yeah, shall we try and get that going? See if Kevin Nagel starts beating <laughs> about this series. Um, but we, I, I think, whatever happens, whatever your narrative is, you're gonna you're going to be able to find a story to reinforce it in this season. You know, if if Town do better than expected, people are going to say, well, it's because of the groundwork that Warnock put in. If they mm-hmm. do worse than expected, they're going to say, well, it's because Warnock left. If they do about the same, you know, they're just going to say, what's the point of changing Warnock? So he's still going to loom large over this season, whatever happens. But I think, like you say, it's important to remember that you know, Neil Warnock came in last season and he struggled through his first few games. You know, there was there was a turning mm-hmm. point. And there'll be a turning point with Darren Moore. He's got some tricky fixtures first up, and which is, is why, you know, as I said, I don't think he is going to go on some mad winning run. But I think you've just got to be patient. You've just got to give him a few games to get his ideas across, which will be simple enough to... This isn't Carlos Corbran, where I think, honestly, there were players in that squad that needed a season playing under Carlos Corbran to understand how to play under Carlos Corbran. You know, it will be far more simplified and rarefied than that. And I think it will be, I think it will be fine, you know, broadly fine. I I strongly, my gut feeling is, Steve, that we, since we've been doing this podcast, come the end of the season, the last couple of podcasts, there's pretty much always been something to play for the Mm -hmm. last couple of podcasts of the series. Uh, There's always been something to play for. And I, my gut feeling is this is the season where there won't be. This is the season where we'll spend an awful lot of time in sort of April and May talking about the summer. But we'll see. I've been wrong before. 
Yeah, I, I think just sort of on the changes as well, I think there is a limited amount that Darren Moore can really do with the squad that you've got available because, you know, I think uh, I think this is... When I looked at the stats a couple of weeks ago during the international break, Town have been pretty well bang average um, in everything except their finishing, and that has started to turn a corner now as well. They scored twice in each of the last three games. Um, Jack Rodoni started scoring, so you know the, the finishing is improving. Um, but um, yeah, they have been pretty well bang average. I think that probably is about where they are, but. I think in terms of style of play, there's there's little changes you could make. I think there's there's a few players in that squad who are quite rough and ready and in a way that Warnock liked. Um, and players that I'm fa- a fan of as well, um, like Jaheim Headley, for instance, or Prima Diara, Kean Harrett, who I think are very rough around the edges, but, but will do a job for you. I think if you did want to change that to let's have a bit more control, let's try and bring a bit of the chaos out of the game and, and you know, have a bit more of our own impetus. You could bring in Yutanakiyama for Jaheim Headley, say. You could yeah. you, know, you could play Delano Bergsorg instead of Kean Harrod. But I don't think there's too many of those kinds of changes. Nah. It is it is a bit of a halfway a nil one squad. Uh, and I think there's some players in that that squad who you look at and think, do they have much of a life after Neil Warnock? Ryan Edmonds Greens, for instance. Um, my my Danny, boy, Danny, my beautiful boy. <laughs> um, Danny Warder, question mark. You know, Sorber Thomas and, and Josh Cromer, question mark. You know, Sorber has been very up and down since he's been at town. Josh Cromer had probably his best spell at town under Neil Warnock, although admittedly didn't start, I don't think started this season brilliantly, but I think the past couple of past two, three games has been a lot better. So, you know, there are, uh, I think they are a bit limited in the amount of changes that, that they can make. But I do think that there is a, well, I don't think they're going to go and storm into the, the playoffs as, as no help. No. Mm. I think that midfield three of Radoni, Wiles and Hogg looks really good. I think if they can keep Silver in anything like form, um, and he was fantastic against Rotherham, by the way, um, then. But then, admittedly, dreadful yeah, in that dreadful. first half against Stoke but still picks yeah. up an assist yeah so yeah there's I think that the, the back three I think is good they were an absolute state against Stoke um defensively they were really really uh poor they're all over the place and I think the man marking system that Warnock was so fond of I think did them a lot of favours in certain games, particularly you think of sort of Millwall last season, and it has allowed them to nullify certain teams. I thought Stoke completely worked it out. They were town were a complete mess, and thank God Tyrese um, Tyrese Campbell was was town's best defender by basically just being offside all the time when there was no reason for him to be. Oh, yeah. Got town two goals this last thank or Stoke two goals this last thankfully. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't yeah. agree more. I I thought that. We're not really going to cover the games because there's too much there's else. No, and there's, no, I, there's no point. They're not going to play no. that again anyway. <laughs> but you you know my feelings. I thought that game was laughable. I thought the quality was was awful, awful. But yeah, it, I think that's what I, that's what I was saying. There are players in that squad who kind of have been playing for Warnock because that's what Warnock does. He's essentially a sort of you know fluffs them up. He gets them going. He 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 gets more from a core of players that way. But I think what Darren Moore has done in the past is looked at his whole squad rather than a sort of core of like seven or eight players that you try and put things around. And I think, again, 
I'm with you. It's it's not it's there's not going to be some great line in the sand. Whatever your narrative is, it will be reinforced. But I I I think that I look at someone like Danny Ward, and there was all the talk of the striker. And I think with Danny Ward, where I am with Danny Ward is he's much better now if he's not an automatic starter. And I think with Darren Moore there, you don't consider him an automatic starter necessarily. And if he gets injured, he will get the time to recover from it. These are the changes I sort of kind of think to kind of expect to see going forward. So, yeah, yeah. We've talked a lot, haven't we? Yeah, we've gabbed on, and yet we've still only done 45 minutes, which for us is is pretty standard. But, um, yeah, Coventry City coming up on Monday, Darren Moore's first game in charge. Um, Coventry, not at the best start to the season. They've had a bit of the, the player hangover that, that we're well familiar with. They've lost their two best players, which we're well familiar with. Um, but they do have the top scorer in the division um, in Matty Gordon, uh, and they are still hard to beat. Their issue is they've drawn a lot of games. So uh, I think before one left and before we knew one it was leaving, I did do the breaking down the fixtures and what points you would expect to get from uh, from each game. And I, I sort of felt as long as they've got uh, four points against Rotherham and Stoke, then you kind of could live with not winning at, at Coventry, not getting anything out of Coventry because they can be a very hard hard team to beat. Um, but it sort of making the change sort of puts more pressure on it. But I'd still think a point would be decent, wouldn't it? Yeah, I think a point would be absolutely fine. I think as as a side, a town are a side that need to try and take four points from every nine, aren't they? That's that bill where we kind of are. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. If they do that, they'll be fine. If they yeah, do that and can learn to pick up more than that, then you know, that's when they can start pushing on. And that, I kind that, of think I, I I like commentary. You know, I'll just come out and say I like commentary. Yeah, I like too. they're a very well structured side. They work incredibly hard mm-hmm. off the ball. Um they really work hard in terms of their attacking angles uh, to open sides out and create space through the middle. I, I just think like Darren Moore's had like two days to kind of work with them realistically and in that time because it's a match it's not like you can sort of flog them or spend loads of time you know on the training pitch with them I I think it's quite I think it's a tough game I think it's a tough game first up a point would be wonderful but if they lose it I kind of think fine yeah. fine and let's it... let's see that let's see a first home game you know when he's had a few more days and go from there yeah, Ipswich is a, a tough one as well, isn't it, really? Um, they are... It is. They're flying. Yeah, second in the league, won seven out of eight. Um, great entertainers. Like I don't think they've sort of... They've not really battered people. They, they seem to... I feel like... It's probably only happened like twice, but I feel like Ipswich are winning 4-3 and 3-2 every week. Um, in fact, yeah, they've had they've had two 4-3s, one 4-1 one one against, they've had a 3-2, and that's just since the end of August. So... Um, that could be a very entertaining game. Uh, I will have been walking 18 miles before that game, by the way, if I can uh, remember to mention that now, and I will do that now. Uh, I'm raising money for the Derby River. I'm raising money for the Derby River MND Foundation as part of the club's uh, Miles for Marcus. Uh, thank you massively to everyone who has donated to that so far, and I promised I would read the names out. Uh, so I will do that now. Texas Terrier. 
uh, a couple of anonymous Paul Duckworth, Alex Chicken, to do that is uh, Ian Cruikshank, Liz Malafront, uh, Nick Miggle, Anna H, Ed Smith, Philip Rothwell, Tilsey Terrier. John Singleton, Matthew Briggs, Phil, Richard Hayward, Jerry H, Gareth, Johnny Goggs, great name, Lee Hales, Jonathan Gillespie, James T, Miller's Oils Limited, uh, my favourite of all of the industrial lubricant companies, uh, Philip Barr, Dave, Tom Neal, Terrierspirit.com, Newson Terrier, Paul Askham, Richard Sykes, Paul Matthewman, and Dan O'Brien, presumably not the one who used to write for Cracked. Uh, if you want to give money, you can go to justgiving.com forward slash page forward slash Stephen Chicken. I've set a target of £100 a mile and it's 18 miles. That's on Saturday morning. Uh, and I will, of course, be wearing um, a shirt declaring my love for the Miller's Oils High Performance Complex, as we all call it, the old Miller's Oils, Dave. Yes, I wouldn't drink anything else. Uh, legally, we should say, do not drink Miller's Oils products. Um, but Dave, do we have any? Do we have anything else to add? Uh, we just need to do our recommendations, don't we? Because I think it's all—it's all about a new era, Steve. So let's get on with it. Okay. So you, presumably, you're going to be recommending something new and modern and trendy and hip. Yes, I am. Uh, two pensioners fishing by the side of a river. Um, it's not a. Uh, it's not a particularly um, new thing. I don't think anybody's going to hear me say Mortar and Whitehouse go fishing is the single greatest TV program I think I've ever seen in my life, and I've enjoyed it for years now. And it just gets better and better. And slow TV is not everybody's bag. I completely accept that. But half an hour sat on a riverbank with them two every week is just the the perfect relaxant, decongestant, and every other unt you can think of, apart from an obvious horrible one. I was about to say, yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to go with uh, uh, an album that came out in June by a band called Feeble Little Horse called Girl With Fish, uh, which is a very good rock album. Um, so check that one out. Pop rock, I would say. It's good. No. It's good. No, is, is it pop rock in the Lincoln Park window? Because if it is, no, I don't want to look out of that window. That's new metal. What are you on about? I don't know. Whatever was on XFM and about 15 oh, years ago. Right, granddad. 15? Oh, 20. 20 yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I'm old. I'm very old. Yeah. But uh, but the this era of just the town is new. Very new. Mm. So let's see whether it's successful or not. And yeah. Say they they obviously they could do with this one working out. I think as I say they've they've got a few people to win over, uh, and getting this appointment right would would certainly be a big step in that direction. We will see you next time. I think probably Wednesday back on our usual schedule, Dave. Mm, yeah, um, would have thought so. So to review the Coventry game, we'll see you then. Bye. 